Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright, and Thor and Loki clearly didn't get the no costumes in the park memo. <laughs> That's right. Today, we are talking about Minute 131, which begins with the final news montage and ends with the Tesseract where it belongs. Back on the show today, we have Bubba Wheat. Hello, Bubba Wheat. Excelsior. It's good to be back. For sure. This is a fun minute to talk about. Uh, I suppose we may as well just ask. I know the, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but is there a particular <laughs> reason why you wanted to pick this minute to discuss? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got in early enough that I, I was surprised, a little bit surprised that this hadn't been picked because, you know, clearly it, it's the Stanley cameo and coming from somebody, you know, my, I, I've been doing a, a superhero blog, movie blog for over 10 years. You know, I've seen literally every Marvel movie, even, you know, the the obscure buried ones. So right. I, I figured even man thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I uh, I figured, you know, I, I like to call myself a superhero movie expert. So, you know, I've gotta get in on the Stan Lee cameo. That's awesome. Well, it is a it's a fun little bit here. Uh, we're coming in on this news montage that we started talking about in uh, Friday's minute, where you know, we've seen this these news uh, or these all these different feeds. We're looking at a couple screens in this dark room on the helicarrier where Fury meets with the World Security Council. He's got like four different screens on each of his screens of which he has multiple and we're just kind of slowly panning across them and we're getting i mean it's a fun kind of creative way to do a montage as opposed to just having one channel that's kind of flipping we're seeing uh, geez i mean the way that it's going i mean we're seeing uh, you know a lot of feeds playing over the course of of this entire bit i mean in the scope of closure, as far as, you know, we've had our heroes, we've kind of seen all of that uh, with them and the whole bit with Tony waking up, wanting to go get shawarma. And now we're kind of taking a break from that and we're getting this. Like, in the scope of, like, closure from this big Battle of New York, I mean, do you like the way it plays? How does it feel for you? I think it works pretty well. I am, you know, in my memory, thinking back about this, I, I feel like the, the two movies that, that get compared a lot that came out about this time was this and Man of Steel. And I, I, for some reason, I was, I, in my memory, I was thinking that Man of Steel came first, but Man of Steel was actually the, a year later. But Man of Steel was always criticized with all its, you know, d massive destruction in the city. And the Avengers had just as much destruction, but it has these kind of moments and it has these extra moments like within the battle of the heroes stopping to take care of the civilians that I think Man of Steel lacks. And that's why, or at least part of the reason why the Avengers is held up as, you know, that it doesn't get that that harsh criticism against all the, the destruction, even though it's, they probably have a, a very comparable amount of destruction looking at them side by side. It's destruction with heart. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and maybe they took the cue from the 
um, I, I don't know, the potential backlash of it, which is why they give you all of that from Bruce Wayne's perspective when it comes to uh, Batman versus Superman a few years afterward. You know, I mean, maybe that's why um, they kind of took that approach. Uh, but regardless, we're not here to talk about that uh, franchise. Uh, you're, but to your point, it is an interesting thing because we certainly over the course of this whole battle have been talking about the scope of having a big battle sequence like this in New York City, which is, you know, just, uh, you know, a little over a decade after September 11th and the idea of blowing up buildings and uh, granted their big leviathan but uh, the idea of this battle taking place in the city and kind of you know is there uh, how does that play and it's it's interesting because the conversations really do seem to favor it feeling a little more what would the right way to phrase it be but just kind of like it it feels like there's still kind of this new york strong vibe running through it and it doesn't feel like they're doing uh it because they want to do september 11th their own way you know it's it just it feels different enough where it just doesn't even seem like the same sort of scope in in some capacity it's a little bit like what they do with the spider-man movies but not quite that blatant where the first you know the the toby mcguire spider-man movies all had well and even like the especially the first andrew garfield all had the scene of you know new yorkers coming together to help to help him out. And this one, you know, we don't get that far, but we do at least get the New Yorker's perspective and in this montage. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, let's talk about some of these news feeds. Um, this is our last chance to see uh, we come in right on the end of Sean Lynn's uh, final line, I love you, Thor, which we kind of chopped in uh, half of the word Thor from last minute to this minute. Um, so our last chance to see her last bit of the guy shaving to look like Tony. And then we cut one of the screens cuts to a lady sweeping out the front of her place and hanging up an open sign. Part of me was really hoping that that was the shawarma palace lady that we'll see later. I was like, Oh, is that shawarma palace? Are they opening up? But no, it is a totally different lady, but I did have a little glimmer of hope there. I do have to say that that goatee looks awful. <laughs> It it is one of those really heavy goatees that I was like, it's either uh, he's just somebody who had a really heavy beard and they just shaved, they didn't trim the goatee yet. It's just a really thick goatee, or it's just a terrible, uh, like uh, I don't know, would you call it a wig? Whatever you call it, just like that fake, the fake uh, facial hair that they'd put on. Ooh, like a fa- a face wig, a chin wig. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I know exists, there's a word like there exists a term. Well, yeah. you know, they have fake mustaches. I don't know. It's just like a, the goatee that you glue on. Yeah. Bad news. Yeah. it does. Who is that guy? Do we know who that guy is? I looked for him and I couldn't find him. Uh, no, just some some. I think it's just person. some guy? I thought that, well, that might have been some sort of Easter eggy type casting. He looks so familiar. He, along with um, a couple of the other shots that um, I, I don't know so much him, but some of these other shots, um, they definitely are trying to give us a sense that there's a global feel to everything. Like, you know, we have, like later we'll have the the Tony uh, mural that's painted on a wall that is, uh, you know, clearly in a different country. It's got a different language written on the wall behind him. And so there, the idea that, sure, these heroes may have been here saving New York, but they're kind of, uh, recognized as global heroes. Yes, right, right. But just like in the frame immediately above 
him is the it, we already talked about the actress who played Carol in uh, Glee sticking her head in and screaming that thing like this is I, I kind of on the lookout for those kinds of actors like who are the who are the cameo people and they're uh, hard to find. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're they're tough, but I mean, like people like her because they're saying lines and stuff, they end up getting they, they credited. Get credit, whereas right. the guy who's getting a shave doesn't get in the credits, you know. And you know, it is what it is. It's it's always tough finding those people unless they've gone in and added themselves to uh, to the IMDb. IMDb credits. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, they, these type of scenes they they always feel like they were the result of like some contest. Where, you know, for <laughs> yeah, fans, right. you know, we wanted Avengers fans to, to, you know, your chance to be in the movie. And then you end up in a scene like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know they've done things like that with some other films where they have included actual fan footage in the films to show to, or to kind of help create this vibe, you know. Um, I, this, I feel, may have been a little before they were really doing that sort of stuff. But it is fun to see, like, I mean, the guy getting the uh, Captain America shield tattoo on his arm, like, that just feels like it could have just been someone filming, like, who knows? I mean, I don't know if they went out and filmed this. For all we know, they were scouring YouTube and finding clips of anyone who is a Marvel fan who was doing something like that and, uh, you know, reaching out to the people to see if they could license the footage to put it in here, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's entirely possible. We do have, uh, before we jump into some of the specific people, just some new news feeds. We have C-SPAN 2, Senate Calls Emergency Session, another C-SPAN 2, Invasion, a Global Catastrophe, with Press Secretary Jay Carney. We have uh, Channel 6, Avengers Assemble to Save New York City. That's the one with the kid who's doing his whole little uh, imitation of everything. We have MSNBC breaking news, victims of New York attacks respond. And this is where the couple is worried about who's going to keep these heroes in check. We have New York 1, the Avengers, hoax. Channel 5, Albany, New York Senator questions the Avengers. This is with uh, the Democratic New York Senator, Senator Boynton. And then uh, we have live CNN breaking news, New York crisis disaster averted, Avengers, friend or foe. There are also a, a number of other feeds that don't have any branding on them as far as news channels. So, um, but yeah, let's, uh, so we've got a few people here and, you know, I love the IMDB game and I love doing it <laughs> with people like these who are nigh impossible to identify. Uh, last time we had some, our, our first of our celebration montage interviewees. Uh, this time, our next one is this kid. This very excited kid played by Michael Zhang. Any idea what Michael Zhang would be uh, would have as his IMDb known for? I'll tell you, he's been in seven films. I think one of those films is Screw You, Andy. This is miserable. <laughs> is that one of his credits? <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? He, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you both because it is pretty tricky. Um, he was a, ki a child actor. From 2012 to 2016, he was in seven films. This is uh, certainly the biggest. Of the four, though, uh, three of them are his performances. The Avengers, one called The Bandit Hound, and another called Displacement. But then he clearly has decided to go to film school, I would assume, because in 2020, he was a script supervisor on two short films. One of those is the fourth in his known for. It's called Cold Hard Blood. 
And then he also has uh, edited a short film in 2021. So I don't know. Maybe he's going to be somebody that we'll see further down the road in more film projects. But that's Michael Zhang. That's really funny. Okay. Well, I didn't have him. Oh, and it also looks like he was doing stand-up comedy for a while. Oh. Yeah. Well, everybody's got to cut their chops before they do script supervising work. (laughs) That's right. Next up, we have the African-American couple. Uh, The man, William Christopher Stevens. He is the first of our two here. Any idea with his face? Does he look familiar at all to you? I'm going to go for the Avengers (laughs) as one of them. (laughs) No, not to me. It's tough, I know. Um, He has 52 credits, uh, quite a lot of them. It's just straight-up voice work in uh, doing dub like english dubs of anime films he's done a lot of video game work the four known fours for him actually include uh also like our last one he's been doing some other stuff in visual effects and also uh, motion capture and adr so his four known fours are the guardian uh film that he did uh production support on with a with a uh, furious fx company Kong Skull Island, actually, where he worked in the ADR on that film. The Avengers, as you said. And, Pete, this is something we've covered over on the next reel, Underworld Evolution. He was not in it. He was No, he worked on effects again for Underworld Evolution. Fantastic. Well, you can can really tell. (laughs) It's right there in his face. Every every minute (laughs) of his work, you can find it on screen, for sure. That's right. Uh, his wife is played by Kelly Robbins Hicks. Kelly has six producer credits on her uh, IMDb page, along with 12 acting credits and three writing credits. Her four known fours are as a producer on the TV series Random Acts of Flyness, on which she's an executive producer, an actress, and a writer, so very involved in that show. That's weird that, like, she totally stole one of my spec scripts. I, I might have written that. <laughs> Random acts of flyness. It's right, right in my wheelhouse. Totally right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, she was an associate producer on How to Tell You're a Douchebag. Oh, that <laughs> was... <laughs> she was a producer on Queen of Glory and The Avengers. Those are her four known fours. Wow. All right. Uh, we have our senator, Senator Boynton, played by James Eckhouse. This one I got. You do? Well, okay. No, I don't. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I know him, but IMDb doesn't do TV. And I absolutely know him from one show and a lot of cameos. Like, I know him when I see his face. But the one show that I absolutely 100% know, James Eckhouse was Mr. Walsh from Beverly Hills 90210. He, he was in, like, every episode Jim Walsh, Doc, yeah, and then also Dr. Edwards. You're right. 146 episodes. There we go. He was there. We go. Wow. I don't know anything else. I didn't know you were a 90210 head. I regret. I regret that I unintentionally outed myself. Yeah, sure did. (laughs) This is a 90210 head. Yeah. Uh, 146 episodes, though. You are right about that. I mean, he is, he is somebody who, like, looking through his IMDb, I'm like, this is a person who is in everything. You talk about, the, uh, like, that guy. He is a that guy. He's been acting since 1982. And, uh, geez, just, he is, his 
130 credits. The four IMDb known for is, did you want to, are you going to see, say Beverly Hills 90210 or no? No, because they don't do TV. So they I do know. They do TV. What are you talking about? We have, we just had TV in our last few. <laughs> Oh, well, I I don't listen. I don't listen to most of what you say on these things. Okay, I'm going to say 90210. I'm going to say The Avengers because that's that that to me seems like the biggest thing that he's a part of is is this. I'm going to say um you want to give me a hint? Can you give us no, a hint? I don't really, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Bubba, do you have any it. any idea with him? No, I have no idea. I I was not a 90210, so I don't even have that. <laughs> Let me guess. Was he an attorney, a physician, or a middle manager? I, I think that you're probably right on a lot of those <laughs> counts. In fact, one of these, I maybe this is why he's somewhat familiar to me. You know, I'm a big Tom Hanks fan. He was his supervisor in Big. <laughs> he totally was. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, he also was Ned Sneller in Junior. That's the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger getting pregnant. And he was in Guess Who? That was the remake with, uh, uh, I can't remember who the cast was, but it was the remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And uh, flip-flopping races. And then he's in The Avengers. Was that Bernie Mac? Oh, yeah. Bernie Mac and um, Ashton Kutcher. That's who it was. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's a win. What's his IMDb rating? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. Uh, While we're here, let's just do Stan Lee. I know we've done it in the past. I'm always curious if it changes. Not that I remember, but of the films that you know he's been a part of, what would you say are his known fors? Where did you even start? I know. It's hard. I mean, you may as well just throw out four random (laughs) things from the MCU. I mean, I I feel like his biggest role was Mallrats. Which, unfortunately, is not one of his known fours. I, I know his best... I feel like his best cameo was um, The Amazing Spider-Man. The one is with that the him and the library. Cleaning, cleaning crew? Or uh, mm. he's the cleaning guy with everyone, go, uh, the stuff going on behind him? Yeah. You know what I would call out as one of my favorites of his, which isn't actually a film in the MCU, but it's um, uh, Big Hero 6, when he... Uh, pops up and kind of like the surprise as the one kid's dad. And they have that whole thing about how they wear their underwear, which just made me laugh <laughs> to no end. I loved that little bit from him in that one. Oh, man. When did so he died in when did he die? 2017? 18. 18. 18. He died in 2018. So, OK, I'm going to say I'm just going to throw out the Avengers and I'm going to throw out. um I don't know. Black Panther. Those are my two. Let's see. I, I know. Actually, I feel like his his best ones were like in the Spider Man movies because he also had a fantastic one in um, you know Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be my yeah. second favorite um, little cameo bit of his. Uh, like those. Yeah, he's got some good ones. Um, and then he shows up randomly in things like Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which is very funny. That's not one of his top four, please. It's not, but it's funny that he, <laughs> uh, you know, did show up in that. Yeah, that was, that was another fantastic one. Yeah, right. Like, I sometimes those ones I actually enjoy more than the ones that he's in, in the MCU, because the MCU ones, is like, yeah, it's cute. It's fun. Like, in you know, Captain America, like last season, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I thought he'd be taller, you know, okay, yeah, that's very Stan Lee. It's kind of fun. But there's something about the ones that are a little more unexpected that I actually find myself enjoying that much more. 
I'm almost a little bit surprised that they haven't used any more of them because the way that they talk, it seems like they they filmed a lot of extra ones and they'll film like several of them in a row, but not really know what movies they were going for. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had ones that they've filmed that haven't found their way into any movie. That's possible. Um, but I wonder how tied in they are. Cause like there was another one for this film that was in one of our deleted scenes earlier in the film when, uh, when Steve Rogers was trying to make his way and, and with the modern world and he's actually at the cafe and he has this cute little exchange with the waitress and then she walks away and Stanley's at the next table and says, ask him for her number, you idiot. And, I kind of like it better than this one because I don't know, there was just something about kind of connecting it to the scene that, that worked more for me, but you know, they cut the scene. So I'm assuming they chose to do this one instead. The the other one that, that I really like that is that maybe is off the mark. I don't, I think it's too obscure, but the one, which is the one where he's, he's not driving the bus. I think that was the one where he's, he's with Peter Parker. He's driving Peter Parker's bus. It was that like end game or infinity war or something. And uh, but it's the one where he's on a bus and he's reading the book. He's reading the book and and he's totally I think it was Dr. Strange because he's totally oblivious to everything going on outside the bus. But I don't re- I remember that being kitschy and funny that he was oh, he's reading the Mallrats script. Are you sure? I mean, Baba Weed, isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely one where he's on a bus reading the Mallrat script. I, I yeah. thought that was uh, Captain Marvel. Oh, maybe. Yes, 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 because it was the 90s. You're right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's reading something much more heady and and um, than the Mallrat script. No, actually, this is makes it even funnier. He was reading Aldous Huxley's The Doors of Perception during the big battle outside, which is funny. That's tongue-in-cheek funny. So I'm going to go with... I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. It's too obscure. I don't think that's going to be it. I, I, retr- I, 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 I redact, retract. There's statement. been so many of them, I actually have a hard time remembering what they are in all of them. The, known for, the four known fours are, at, at this point in time as we're recording, are Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay, so I got Black Panther. I should have stuck with Doctor Strange, and I can't believe Avengers isn't on there. Not because this is a great like participation in the film. I don't. I think amongst the list of his cameos, this isn't a good one for me. It's not a very good one, but it just was such a sort of seminal movie. Well, what was his Black Panther one? I'm forgetting. He was in the Korean casino, uh, and yeah. he he takes uh, T'Challa's chips. Right, right, right. <laughs> He's in Busan. Right, yeah, right. I like that one. And Doctor Strange, we just talked about Spider Man Homecoming, is. Um, that was the, that was the one where he's the, um, the bus driver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's getting, no, he's getting in the way of the neighbors. He's like the the neighbor, Steve or something. And he's, he, he thinks Spider-Man is like, like beating up civilians. He's like, he's like, don't make me come down there. You jerk. (laughs) Don't, don't, does that ring any bells? I, I don't remember that one. Oh, not, the, not the way you're doing it. You guys, I'm doing it great. <laughs> <laughs> what was Guardians of the Galaxy no, Volume hold 2? Hold on. Here it is. Uh, was, that Lee the, appeared, was that the Watcher? No, I think that Lee was is the, the annoyed neighbor Gary who witnesses Spider-Man mistakenly be, uh, accosting innocent civilians and says, don't make me come down there, you punk. Punk <laughs> is where I lost you, I think. Oh, his there, other neighbor Marjorie I... greets him and asks about his welfare, where he does the same to her, asking about her mother. 
There you go. Okay. That's that All one. right. There you now, go. You may continue. Well, that's that is Stanley in his cameo here. And uh yeah, I mean it's it is fun to kind of see. So um that's largely this group of oh, last one I forgot. Pat Kiernan, the New York one news anchor, we actually hear his voice as we're kind of watching that final bit with um, the Avengers in Central Park. Do either of you, this is a tricky one because Pat Kiernan is one of those people who pops in as himself in a number of different news projects. We just had this last time with with Thomas Roberts. Um, Any sense for Pat Kiernan or should I just tell you? No, nothing for me. His face is a face, but I just have to know, was he like, is he a face that we see in like, is he a regular reporter? He's he plays himself in every single in all the movies. He's always a news anchor. He's always Pat Kiernan. And yes, in all of them, he plays Pat Kiernan or he's credited as himself. Yes. But is it going out on a limb by saying all of his Pat Kiernan performances are Marvel movies? Uh, That is going out on a limb. He's been in. 40 projects, a lot of TV. Okay, so that is incorrect. Gossip Girl, Billions, Blue Bloods. I would have said all of those. Dang it. (laughs) Andy, Jesus. (laughs) Mr. Robot. (laughs) I'll just tell you, but they are all Marvel, funny enough. Spider-Man, Far From Home, Doctor Strange, The Avengers, and Iron Man 3. Okay, that's really funny. Those are Iron Man 3. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So those are the new faces and voices that we hear in this montage. So let's talk a little bit about the stuff going on here. Um, any particular comments about any of the, uh, the clips that we've seen uh, over the course of this bubble weed, anything, uh, do you want to start with Stan Lee? Should we start there with his, with his little cameo? Do you like his cameo? Um, I mean, like you said, it, it's very quick. It, it's, you know, it's him playing chess. Um, it's, it's funny just because most of the characters that he created were the ones that I, I I feel like, you know, he's involved with making them in New York rather than in some fictional city. So the fact that his line in this is superheroes in New York, give me a break. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because it's false. (laughs) It just is so it's like so it, it so diminishes the Stanley cameo by having him in a screen on a screen. Uh, that just feel like <laughs> like I get it. It's very sly, and in some respects, it's the most Easter eggy cameo of all of them. Um, but I I prefer it when he's loud and proud. Well, all right. Any of the other ones that we want to talk about? I mean, we've got you know the kid. We've got there's an artist that is in there who's featuring a bunch of paintings that he's done of various superheroes, which look an awful lot like uh, images from from various comics. I think it's worth noting that, that I feel like this uh, this Battle of New York did a lot for the Hulk's PR because I, I believe that you know within the MCU he was viewed as more of a menace because of the destruction that he may have caused in his solo movie, but now he's got the the Hulk equals hero sign and the the little parade going on, and then the person with like the homemade Hulk mask. Yeah, which is really funny because it's like a woman with in a in a hajib who's doing that. So it's like it's just again to show it can be anybody who is uh, kind of cheering these people on. This is kind of a global celebration. I like that that little bit there. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's a good point, and it's funny because 
I, I do. The other element that I actually like that we are getting with this is it's not completely just celebratory. You know, we're actually painting a swath of perspective with these different people. Obviously, the kid is super excited, but then we cut to that husband and wife, and they're like, I don't feel safe with these things out there. It seems like there's a lot they're not telling us. We're getting different perspectives of there's the good and the bad. I mean, obviously, we just watched, we've been following them as they save the city from all of this uh, destruction and everything that's going on and uh, got rid of the, the Chitari. But at the same time, I mean, look at the all the holes in the buildings because of Hulk jumping and grabbing and smashing and and everything else, and and all the all the uh, things that they have done again in the process of a battle. But there is a lot of damage, and these six individuals were right at the heart of it. So it's interesting how you can kind of see a perspective of that, and um, I like that they're giving us that perspective. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, balance is uh, balance is is great. And the fact that the you know, as we cut to the next little breakaway, we see that their fight continues, even though they're in mostly in civilian clothes like they are still even as all these people are talking about them. This is them like not reading the comments, you know, like they're going about the fight. They're sending Loki away. They're, you know, disappearing to fight another day. And I, I think that's a that's a good message from this minute for me. Yeah, it plays well. Yeah. Is there a sense with watching this where we're seeing this Senator Boynton here where we kind of wish that it was Gary Shandling? Yeah, I, I do feel like this this does this is like the the first hints of what ends up basically becoming like the Sokovia Accords. Right. Yeah, we're yeah. kind of moving into that space, you know. And, you know, I now that I say that with, with Senator Stern, I guess the issue with that is that that would have uh, been pushing the Hydra side. And I suppose it's good to know that not all of the senators are necessarily Hydra agents, you know. <laughs> we actually have some uh, some politicians who aren't necessarily also Hydra. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess that's a relief. Yeah. Although, really, again, hindsight, they were all Hydra anyway. They just didn't even know. It. <laughs> they just didn't know it exactly. Um, but yeah, it, there is that whole side of the Sokovia Accords, and you can see where things are going. And then, you know, you get that coming in with this is when Pat Kiernan's voice kicks in. The whole tough questions are being asked about the Avengers themselves, their sudden appearance, their equally sudden disappearance. This idea that these people kind of come in, and I mean, it's it's kind of like. I feel like a lot of it you can look at, you can shrink down to the perspective of that, of our sergeant that we had, the police sergeant, who questions Captain America when he shows up and starts giving him orders. He's like, who the hell are you? You know, and I feel like that's kind of the attitude. Like, what? Why? Why do you get to be the guy who comes in and and fights for us? We didn't ask for this, and and uh, without realizing that, of course, you know these things, these people are super beings, and so of course can't actually stop all of this stuff. Yeah, but you think about it, like in the terms of the general run of the mill person. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about Beth the waitress here, uh, but still, like the the bulk of people who witness this just through news footage and stuff, or let's be honest, everyone in New York just went to their windows and watched everything. Nobody actually (laughs) ran away. But the idea is like, they are, uh, they're seeing this thing happen, but they don't know where these people came from. And from their perspective, they all could have been from outer space, you know? 
Yeah, I, I think that's the that's the trick besides like right at this, like now we're just seeing all the people in New York, but the, the number of people who are building opinions off of what they see based on the devastation um, is is high. Like it actually kind of surprises me that there isn't more of an anti uh, Avenger push in subsequent films because of how the media interprets this like that would have been an interest a more interesting angle to dive more deeply into for, to my view in subsequent films uh, about just how damaging the avengers could be like it's something that dc frankly is you know they corner the market on damage and um and uh, you know just sort of dance across the idea of implications and um this is another movie that doesn't do that yeah yeah it's pretty interesting um, and that does lead us to Beth, the waitress, who finally has this big moment where she gets her interview. She's on the news. And again, this is kind of like the way that they've put this montage together. It's kind of it ends up being kind of a call and response. You've got the excitement about them being here. Heroes, the people cheering them on. Then you have the concern and then you have the senator saying, you know, where are they now? And then, you know, tough questions. And then it, it comes to this this head here with the waitress and this lands and it closes this montage in a very personal way where we have her talking about how captain america saved her life and she's saying thank you and you know it's a really nice way to kind of take all of these different uh, perspectives and everything and whittle it down to this one person who has who was right there and ended up being saved by this this hero and you know in the scope of i mean uh, Bubba Wheat, I don't know if you are um, as up on like all of the deleted scenes that included Beth the Waitress. Have you seen all of that stuff? No, I, I didn't follow up on that. I, I did uh, you know, hear you talk about it on at least some of the episodes that have been released as of recording. Well, then, okay, so that's interesting then, since you haven't actually seen it, all of them. I mean, when you see this waitress come in and have this this little line here. I mean, how does that play for you from what you've seen of her in the film, which was just a couple quick shots in the restaurant and then, you know, she or the the cafe and then she ends up in the uh, the bank when Captain America comes in. I mean, from just those bits to this, I mean, do you feel like you're getting a good kind of journey with this character that you could identify with? Yeah, I, I think that she even in what we see in the movie, I feel like she definitely was set up as a face. Like she was kind of a focal point in the, the brief shots that we got. She was definitely like in, in the crowd, she was set up to stand out as, you know, th this is an extra that we should pay attention to. And so I, I think I do like that they, that we come back to her and like, I, I know that the, the actress, it, it was bugging me for a long time and I, I can't remember because I, I know that you already, you know, covered her IMDb credits, but I, I don't remember if you got the one that I actually remembered her for. Like I had to scroll all the way down to the bottom, but she was Chrissy Seaver in the growing in growing pains for the last <gasps> two years. Oh my gosh. <sighs> wow. That yeah. is crazy. And I, I saw that and it's like, that is where I knew her from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're so right that is unreal that face is unmistakable under that all that hair 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I also saw that uh, just a couple years later, she was in like a a one season sitcom that I'm sure nobody will will remember called Phenom. It was like she played the the younger sister. It was like about a uh, tennis prodigy. Huh. Okay. But yeah. Like I, oh, wow. I saw those two, and so I was like, that is that's been bugging me for the longest time. She's got a ton of credits, and it's like, oh, there it is, all the way back at the beginning. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's interesting. Good pull. And lots of projects that she's done. So, well, that's that's her, and it's our final bit with her uh, in the film. I like the way that we close her out, Pete. Any last thoughts on on our closure with Beth the waitress? My my only thought to this whole thing is, you know, as as we've said all along, like if you're going to humanize the people of New York, Beth, the waitress is a great way to do it. And there's just more story with Beth, the waitress in this movie. And and I think it's I, I part of me thinks it's just a little bit of a shame that it was cut. I see why I see why. But uh, I, I do think that there's 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 Beth's story. Maybe and- Disney Plus gets a whole series. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's good that it that it ends on on a positive note, even though it does have the caption the Avengers friend or foe. But overall, this this is a very you know end with her saying thank you. It plays nicely, and it's touching that it goes to uh, you know to that full screen uh, story instead of like you know she's one of four on the screen at that particular point. So right. Uh, well, let's uh, chat a little bit about our uh, what we cut to. And that this is, you know, now we actually are in this room and we find that it's the World Security Council talking to Nick Fury. And this is kind of this this uh, wrap up conversation that they are having about everything, trying to get a sense of as you know, we get to hear from Councilman number two. We don't still don't know what his name is, but he says, where are the Avengers? Fury is not tracking their whereabouts. He says, I, I'd say they've earned a leave of absence. And then we have uh, Jenny Agater popping in uh, and the Tesseract. And the te- uh, Fury says the Tesseract is where it belongs. And we'll finish that tomorrow. Uh, what do you think of the World Security Council and kind of this vibe that they create for this group? You know, it, it really paints them as the villains. And I don't know if they if they had this you know, the, the whole Hydra plot in mind when doing this, you know, they, they're all in shadow. You know, they sent the, a nuke to New York City, and now they're just wanting to have control, like executive power over the Avengers, and Nick Fury's not having it. It's an interesting thing that they are setting up where it is this real kind of this shadow organization and it makes it seem like they're the puppet master of everything it's i i'm never quite sold on what they're trying to give us with the world security council um in the films and i'm always a little torn as to like you know how they're trying to kind of structure it and 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 kind of the position it has with shield and all the governments of the world and stuff and i i don't know if i'm ever quite satisfied they don't show up again do they They'll be in uh, in uh, uh, Winter Soldier for sure because mm-hmm. we have um, you know Jenny Agater actually shows up in the room to talk to uh, Robert Redford and it turns out that it's um, uh, you know Nat wearing her Mission Impossible disguise. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> so, but after that, I can't remember if we end up seeing them again. I feel like. 
I don't know. It seems to, it kind of seems to be like once kind of everything fell apart at that point that they went away. Like, I, I can't remember if the World Security Council shows up again. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I can't sort of can't believe that we can't think of that because it feels so logical that they would have shown back in shown up again in Civil War. Weren't they? Wasn't there some some presentation of the World Security Council in Civil War? That's a thing. I'm looking right now. Let's see. Um, they do. They're mentioned in Civil War, and they are mentioned in Endgame. But the only films you're right. in which the World Security Council is featured is the Avengers and Winter Soldier. I I get side sideways on the movies because they do show up repeatedly in Agents of Shield. You know, we get them in a couple of episodes, especially because Powers Booth is is a regular, or not a regular. He's a recurring. Yeah, it's an interesting group. So well. It is what it is. Last but not least, anything to say about our heroes? We see what they're doing. Uh, Pete, you've already mentioned this, but we see them uh, coming together. They're at the Bethesda Bethesda Terrace in uh, Central Park, walking up with Loki in, he's got, uh, you know, cuffs, and he's got his little muffle on. I know we're going to probably talk more about this tomorrow when we spend a little more time with them. And then, of course, we got Eric, who invented his crazy little uh, Tesseract tube and that we get to see them do more with the Tesseract. Any little bit about any of this stuff? I mean, uh, as far as what we're going to see here. I think it's it's interesting that, you know, in, in the shot in the middle of the minute, we can see, like, I guess, S.H.I.E.L.D. Secret Service members doing, like, a perimeter. Yeah, like they're kind of keeping this area secure from the public or something, yeah. Because they'd see the costume play at work, and that's very disorienting for New Yorkers at this point. Yeah, Thor really needs to put on his Donald Blake outfit at some point, <laughs> just so so 100%. he can walk around, so people don't. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's right. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap this minute up. Uh, Bubba Wheat, it has been great chatting with you today and over the course of the season. Thank you so much for joining us uh, all of these minutes and talking about the adventures with us. Yeah, no problem. There, there is one little background detail that I noticed on, oh, yeah. on the screen. It's, it says that it's like twelve thirty. Yeah, does that time seem accurate based on <laughs> the events of the the movie? It feels like it should be much later in the day. Well, the bat the battle was very much a morning battle. Everybody woke up early and got to work. The bat uh, the clock uh, we talked about uh, very briefly the clock that's on at Grand Central Terminal it's like 11:15 in the morning. So yeah. I mean that means that this this news report is only like an hour and a half after everything's happened. It seems like this needs I mean maybe it's meant to be days later but to see like these sorts of parades and senate hearings and all this sort of stuff happening it seems like days have had to have passed for people to be celebrating um at this level. But it also seems like they wouldn't have kept Loki around for days later. Although, do we get a good look? Does he still seem banged up? Like, does he still have the fresh cuts? Yeah, I think when we cut to his, uh, I'm trying to scrub to where we see him. I'm going to have to go look at 132. I can't remember if we're seeing his face uh, banged and battered. Well, yes, we are. He does have a scrape on his forehead and one under his eye on his cheek. And he is uh, also, don't forget, wearing the Dyson personal air purifier uh, (laughs) over his mouth. So, yes, very popular. So that's, um, yeah. So, again, why are they even going to Central Park for all this? Who knows? 
it a lot of this just doesn't make a ton of sense, but we'll save it. But it's <laughs> it's one of those things. Just one of those things. They needed a new look. Is yeah, what they needed. They needed a new look. All right. Uh, well, Bubba, we tell uh, everybody about your podcast and where they can tune in and find you out there. Uh, sure. My my main podcast right now is still It's Time to Rewind as of recording. And I believe whenever this comes out, I'll still be releasing the our fifth season, which is covering Memento, one scene at a time for 45 episodes. I, I believe we will have the episode out where... We were able to have an interview with Stephen Tobolowski, who plays Sammy Jenkins. That is an incredible episode. I'm really looking forward to release that. And uh, and then I also have an upcoming project uh, that's coming out this October, and that's Fight Club Minutes, which that's a more traditional movies by minutes. It's three episodes a week going through Fight Club one minute at a time. And uh, I have a, a co-host, Lance Stanford, and, you know, it's we're a few weeks into recording already, and it's it's a lot of fun, too. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of work. And, and I'm also um, simultaneously doing, like, kind of a, a lower-key uh, season for It's Time to Rewind covering, I feel like it's a Memento's sister movie, 50, 51st Dates. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, nice. you know, to, to keep the It's Time to Rewind feed going because uh, Fight Club Minute's going to be on a, its own feed. Well, that's awesome. Well, we'll have links in the show notes for the shows that are current. So check those out, everybody. Remember, if you're not seeing the links in your uh, show notes, just go to the website, marvelmovieminute.com. You can check everything out there. Uh, Bubba Wheat, thanks again so much. We'll be back tomorrow with, uh, again, with the Marvelous Tay for Minute 132. So, Pete, thanks as always. Thank you, Andy. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk about a car. Oh, yes, you are. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>